Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Well, thank you for joining us this weekend at Summit Church. My name is Mel Massingill, and I'm one of the pastors here. And again, I want to welcome all of you. Thank you for joining us. Uh, We're starting a new series this weekend called Level Up. And the, the idea behind this series is uh, kind of nostalgic back to my childhood, that uh, when I was a kid, there were video games I would play, and I would work, and I would struggle to get to the next level. And man, each level seemed to be harder than the next, and, um, and there were challenges for every level I played, and and, and this is how I think life is for a lot of us. Um, there are levels we get to and we go, this is hard. Marriage is hard. Paying your mortgage is hard. Being an adult is hard, right? Like it's hard. It's not easy being a Christian. It's not easy uh, cultivating your faith and letting God work in your life. There are lots of challenges that we have. And at times it feels like we're stuck. At times it feels like there's another level, but it feels like I can't get there. And that's really what we're trying to do in this series is, uh, is help you go to the next level in your life. And we feel like there are some principles, there's some things God wants to do that, we're, that are going to help you get there. And so what we're doing is we're really just using this idea of, of video games, which is more ubiquitous than you would think because you've got video games on your phone, on your consoles, on your computers, and there are... Closet video gamers. They are nerds. They don't want to admit they're nerds, though. I'm just saying they, they might be out there. So don't judge them if they play video games and they're grown adults. And they sit in the basement for hours occasionally. I'm just saying there might be somebody like that out there. I, I personally enjoy playing some video games. Um, and there's, there's a... Um, a game that I enjoy playing from time to time. And um, it's, it's an online open world game. And so what that means is they're not specific levels like old school Mario where you'd, you'd do one level, you'd beat the end boss, then you'd go to the next level. So the, this game in particular is just, a, it's an open world game and you can kind of do what you want to do and there are tasks and things you can be involved in. But there are lots of other players in that world as well. And... In the world of online games, there's a term called griefer. And a griefer is someone who plays an online game to ruin someone else's online game. They're intent to make your experience as bad as possible. That's what brings them joy. And so in this particular game that I like to play from time to time, um, I, it's, it's set in the Old West. And a group of griefers can get together and form a posse. And there might be four or five or six or seven of them, and they will find someone and they will harass them. Now, I got to be honest with you, if it's just a couple of them, I'm good. I can hold my own and usually they will leave me alone because after they, they die, they, they figure out, okay, this guy doesn't want us messing with him. But if there's a bunch of them, here's what ends up happening. I will, um, I'll get killed and, and then I will respawn. 
And respawn is a word, it's a gaming term. And respawn, from the dictionary, it means to re-enter an existing game environment at a fixed point after having been defeated or otherwise removed from play. So here's what happens, you die and then you respawn, you have life again. Now here's the problem with this game. The problem is you respawn near where you died. So the griefers are waiting for you. Except now when you respawn, they've killed your horse too. So (laughs) there is no escape. And so what ends up happening is they find all kinds of creative ways to end your life. They will lasso you and and they will hogtie you and throw you on the railroad tracks and wait for the train to come. That's exciting. Or they will hogtie you and throw you off a cliff or drop you in the river or all kinds of things. And that's what brings them joy. Now, I got to be honest with you about something. I'm going to confess something to you that I honestly have never confessed, I don't think, to anybody else. There is chat available when you're playing online. And I've disabled my audio chat because I don't want to hear what they're saying. And, but there is still text chat. So they will send you a, a message. And sometimes they are hateful and vulgar. And, and so this group of hoodlums were harassing me and they were incessant wouldn't stop and this guy was talking all kinds of trash to me I mean and being vulgar so I responded and I said I'm really sorry I've got to go now (laughs) my mom said it's time for me to go to bed because I have school in the morning. (laughs) And here's the thing. It was probably a bunch of nine-year-olds that were doing that to me. (laughs) But in my imagination, it's a bunch of like college guys in their, in their frat house, or it's a, it's some 44-year-old loser in his basement of his house playing video games late at night, right? And in my mind, I'm thinking, the joke's on you, pal. I'm nine years old. I'm going to bed. So in video games, what happens is you respawn. You die, and you get another chance. You get new life is what happens. And there are some situations like the one I just described where we don't want to respawn. Um, Let's be honest, starting over is hard, isn't it? Have you ever had to start over again in your business? Or maybe in your personal life you had to start over? Like, this is hard. Man, all the progress I made, all the growth, all the development, now it's gone. And that's how we feel a lot of times. Uh, Henry Ford said this. He said, failure is simply the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. And this is really what this idea behind the respawn is. It's the opportunity in, in video games. You're, you're playing your game. You're doing your thing. And then you die. You, you, you get set aside, whatever it is. And you realize, oh, here's where my mistake was. So, You've got this opportunity to have life again, but now you've got the opportunity to to start over with experience, with more intelligence. 
And there's lots of examples in Scripture of times when, when people had to start over for whatever reason. When there was a new beginning, when there was new life, there are things that we could look at like Lazarus who had literal new life. He was dead and in the grave and Jesus rose him from the dead and he was respawned. He had new life. And there's somebody in scripture that we've talked a lot about in the past named Abraham that I feel like fits this bill in a lot of ways. And we're gonna get into that in just a second. In Revelation chapter 21 I want you to hear, this is what God wants to do. Revelation 21, verse one, um, John the Revelator is, he's writing prophetically what he sees and what he feels like God is downloading to him about end times. And so he's talking about what is to come, what is on the horizon, what is not yet. And he says in Revelation 21, one, he said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. They had passed away. And the sea was gone also. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God of the the God of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow, crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. This is what God is intending to do. Put put an end to death, sorrow, crying, and pain. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more sorrow. That's God's plan and his purpose. And then he goes on to say this. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I'm making everything new. Then he said to me, write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. So God speaks to John and he says, make sure you're taking note of this. There are things that are important that that sometimes you write them down because you're like, I don't want to forget this. I don't want to get this wrong later. So I'm going to make a note. I'm going to write this down. This is what God says to John. Hey, make sure you hear this, that my intended purpose is to make all things new. And we'll come back to that idea in just a little bit. So if you've been around church, you've heard us talk about Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, um, there's the call of Abraham. So Abraham is called by God to go to a land that he doesn't know. And he says, I'm gonna show you where to go. And I'm gonna do something great through you. And there's this promise of offspring in Genesis chapter 12. At this point, uh, Abram is 75 years old, okay? I don't know about you, 75 feels a little late in life to start having kids, <laughs> He had no children, he and his wife, they they could not conceive for whatever reason. And he has this promise of offspring and he's 75 years old. And you would think if you're 75 years old, you'd be like, okay, God, you better get started quickly, right? Because if we have kids now, I'm 75, let's just do the math. Uh, I'll be 93 when this child graduates or 94 when they graduate from high school, I'll be 98 when they graduate from college, if they actually make it in four years. If they don't and they do the long-term plan, I might be 100 by the time they get out of college. And then we can retire after that. That'll be the garden years after that. It sounds good, God, right? 
There's not a lot of people that are planning their families out that way, but this is what was happening. Genesis 13, um, Abraham and his son, and his, I'm sorry, nephew Lot, they separate. Uh, they, they are divided over grazing land for their herds, and Abram, he, he, he lets Lot pick. And in Genesis 14, Lot gets into some trouble. He is, um, he is captured by this rogue army, and all of his stuff is stolen, and Abram takes his family, the men of his family, his servants, and they go and rescue Lot. Then in 15, Abram uh, tries to, to force God's plan, if I can say it that way. He's 86 years old. It's been 11 years since he had the promise of offspring. And he's like, hey, God, I don't know if you remember what we're dealing with here. We got a tick, 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 right? This is real. And finally, Sarah, his wife, says, hey, you know what? Maybe God wants you to sleep with our servant, and then she can have a baby, and that will be. Doesn't that sound like a bad idea to anybody else? To... And in that moment, and this is what happens, in that moment they were so desperate for the promise of God to be fulfilled that they tried to force it. And they were like, yeah, this seems reasonable. And this is what happened, and he, he did. He slept with the servant Hagar and uh, she had a son named Ishmael, and it wasn't God's plan and his purpose at all. It was outside of God's will, and that caused all kinds of problems. That was when he was 86. In Genesis 17, God changes Abram's name to Abraham as we know him today. And this is what it says in Genesis 17:1. When Abram was 99 years old, 24 years after he got the promise, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live blamelessly, a blameless life. I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee you countless descendants. Now, here's the thing. He already, already made a covenant with Abraham back in Genesis 15. And he alluded to it back in Genesis 12. And so what we see is this reaffirmation of God's covenant, and, and, and you might be thinking, why would he do that? He already did that. We'll come to that in just a second. Genesis 17, three. At this time, or at this, Abram fell on his face on the ground. And then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham. For you'll be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations and kings will be among them. What a great promise. It feels weird with the timing though. Like why didn't he just say this, all this before? And some of it he said, but he changed his name and why would he do that? Because his name was Abram, which was pretty great. Abram means exalted father. That's a great name, exalted father, but it feels ironic since he was childless. Exalted father. You could see if you were somebody who wanted to be a father and you couldn't be a father with your wife that maybe that name, exalted father, felt a little like a slap in the face. Maybe that name bore some shame for him because he didn't feel like he could be exalted because he wasn't a father. 
And he said, I'm gonna change your name to the father of multitudes. He said, um, your descendants will be like the stars in the heaven. Your descendants will be like the, the grains of sand on the beach. That's what your descendants will be like. They will be unable to be counted. And he actually changes Sarah's name too. Her name was Sarai. And he changes it to Sarah. And Sarai is a pretty great name. It means my princess. That's great. I like that. But he said, no, 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 that, that doesn't identify your purpose. I, I want to give you a name that, that gives your destiny some some momentum, that you're gonna be moving in this direction and you're gonna be the mother of nations. Remember, Abraham was 99 when he heard this. If you'd been waiting on a promise for 24 years, don't you think you'd be getting discouraged? But here's the thing, he wasn't waiting on a promise for 24 years. He, he, I'm sure he wanted to be a father before he turned 75. Don't you think probably in his 20s, he was like, man, let's have kids. Don't you think Sarah wanted kids early in their life? So it wasn't like this journey started when he was 75. He, this is something he had wanted for years. And then when he was 75, he hears, hey, you're going to have offspring. It's like, great. He's 86. It's like, no, no, I promise. You're going to have kids. It's in my time, not yours. And he's 99 and he still doesn't have kids with Sarah. And he's going, God, do you even remember what's going on? And I think what had probably happened in his life is that hope had died. He'd gotten to the point where he went, God, I, I can, man, I'm still gonna pray. I'm still gonna ask, but I don't really believe it anymore. And I'm reading into this a little bit because I'm, I'm putting myself in that position. But let's be honest, if we were in that place, wouldn't we all be going, yeah, this isn't gonna happen. It's too late, it's hopeless. And I think in some ways, his hope had died. This dream had died. This desire he had for his life had died. And I think when, when God gave him this new name and he said, no, 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 you're just not just an exalted father. This isn't sarcasm. Hey, I want you to hear this. You're Abraham. You are the father of multitudes. You're the father of many nations. In fact, kings will come from your lineage. And we do see that several times. Most notably, King David and then another guy named Jesus that you might have heard of. He sits on the throne forever and ever and ever. Does anybody remember uh, before you could just pull your cell phone out and put an address in and your cell phone would tell you how to get somewhere? Does anybody remember before GPS? Some of you do. <laughs> Some of the younger people are like, what? Before GPS? How would you even know how to get to Walmart? Like, it's amazing. Do you remember when you would want to go on a trip, what you'd have to do? You'd have to get a map out or an atlas and you would lay it out and you would look, okay, I'm starting here, I'm going here, okay, in here and you're figuring out the route and I'm gonna drive here and I'm gonna make a ride and I'm gonna do this and here's how I get to where I wanna go. 
So that was part of it. But then when you get on the road and you're going someplace you've never been before, you know what the destination is. Like if I was gonna go to, to Lakeland, Florida to go see Abby, um, and I, I'm going, okay, here, what is the route between Indiana, PA and Lakeland, Florida? How do I get there? Well, I'd look and go, okay, it's about 1,100 miles and I take this road until here and here and I would have a plan. But do you remember when you used to do that and you'd be on a road a while and you'd be like, I'm not sure I'm going the right direction. I'm fairly certain I have no idea where I am. Like, <laughs> I, I, I got through the border there and said, welcome to Canada. I might be going there. I don't know, right? Um, when you are on a trip before GPS, and that's one of the reasons I love GPS, is I might know exactly where I'm going, but I'll put it on just so I can see. Here's your time to destination. And yep, yep, it's just reassurance. I'm going the right way. But do you remember driving and you're like, ah, I think this is the right way. I don't know. And then you'd see a sign and it would say Lakeland. And instead of saying 1,100 miles, it would say 888 miles. And you'd be like, okay, we're going the right direction, right? It was a little reassurance for your soul, like, okay, we're going. And you get a little further and you see the, the destination was closer and it's closer. And what it was was just a reminder, you are moving in the right direction. And I think this is what was going on with Abraham. He, he said, God, are you sure you're still working? And somewhere along the line, I really do believe that hope had died. And I think when God said, no, 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 let me give you a new name, it didn't just give him a little hope. I think it rebirthed hope in him. Hope was respawned in his life. He had new life because of the promise of God. It was a reminder, you're moving in the right direction, you're just not there yet. My timing is different than your timing. Trust me, it is coming. It is in process. Don't give up. That's why it says in Galatians 6, 9, don't grow weary in well-doing and good doing. But in due season, you will reap if you do not give up. Why does it say that? Because we are prone to give up when we don't see results. When we're not sure if we're heading in the right direction, we will just stop. Well, I guess, I guess that was it. I guess I waited 11 years and God didn't do anything. I guess that's all. I've waited 24 years and I guess that's it. God didn't want to do anything. What happened? We lost hope. We gave up before the harvest. We didn't want to wait to see what would happen. We, we stopped trusting God. God, I'm believing you can heal my marriage. And I'm believing you can heal my marriage right now. God goes, I might not want to heal your marriage right now. There might be something else in the process for you. So can you trust me along the way? I, I want to breathe new life into your marriage. I want to breathe new life into your relationships. But can you trust me in the process? And I'm gonna give you some mile markers along the way that are gonna remind you, but can you trust me? God, I, our finances are a mess. God, I'm believing, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start tithing and believing, I'm gonna put you first in my finances. And so I'm believing you're gonna change everything right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not how this works necessarily, but can you trust me in this process? I'm gonna breathe new life. You're gonna see a, a respawn, a rebirth. But can you trust me in the process? And so many times we don't see the harvest because we give up. We don't get to our destination because we don't see the mile markers along the way. 
We don't see the progress. And God says, don't give up. Abraham was so glad he didn't give up. Genesis 21, when he was 100 years old, his wife finally gave birth to Isaac. If I could interview Abraham, if I could have him on stage today and we could have a conversation, I would ask him, was it worth the wait? (laughs) And he would undoubtedly say yes. He's not gonna say, you know what? We were so excited about a baby and then we found out what babies do. Have you ever seen what comes out of the babies? No, thank you. I can't believe we waited for that. No. If you're someone who maybe you've struggled um, with infertility, in your marriage you've struggled to get pregnant, have kids, conceive, carry a child to full term, whatever it is, uh, you know the pain, you know the, the anguish, and we've walked through some families like that in our church with them through that process. And, and just recently I was talking to a, a family specifically who waited a long time before they could finally have a child, and um, I was talking to them about their baby, and I said, isn't he worth it? And mom and dad both got teary-eyed and said, oh my gosh, we're so grateful. And those moments where they were going, God, uh, do you even see us? Do you even hear us? Do you even know what's going on? The, the gap between what they felt like was the promise and the fulfillment of the promise was worth it. And if you asked Abraham, was it worth the 25 years? He would say, yes, it was. Would he have taken it sooner? Absolutely. But the, the gap was worth it. The problem is, this stuff doesn't make sense to us. That we get a promise from God that he wants to speak into our life, that he wants to move in us. Maybe we feel like we're called to something specific like vocational ministry or going to work for a a company like Life Choices or or we feel like maybe God wants me to, to, to go overseas as a missionary and we feel like that and then we go, okay, right now. It's like, no, something's gotta shift and develop and those dreams die many times because we don't cultivate it, we don't pursue it, we aren't faithful with it, and it doesn't make sense to us. And this is what it says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now that's different than the version we have up here because I quoted the one I have in my mind, in my memory. What does it mean? We stop trying to figure this stuff out on our own. We say, God, I'm gonna trust you. And God, I'm gonna let you breathe life into my dreams. I'm gonna let you respawn this marriage and bring new life to this marriage. I'm gonna let you do the work. I'm just gonna be faithful. I'm just gonna trust you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in this as long as I need to be. And I'm gonna be faithful. God, I'm gonna trust you as long as I need to. And it will be worth it to see the promise fulfilled whenever you choose to fulfill the promise. The passage we read earlier today in Revelation 21, remember what I said in verse five, and it says, and the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. I love that. God says, I'm making all things new. We like new stuff, don't we? I like new stuff. I mean, I'm a sucker for old stuff too. The older I get, the more I appreciate old stuff. But I like new stuff. I like a new car, a shiny car. Oh, come on, right? Get the, the Hellcat, V8, and like muscled up. Oh, it's just manly. 
It's new, it's shiny. We like new houses. Don't you like, like when you get into a new car though and you, it's a new car smell? Oh, the new car smell. Yeah. It's a lot better than the old car smell, right? <laughs> Nobody ever gets in a car and like, oh, old car smell. It smells like cabbage and a foot in this thing. And like, That's right. Why? We like new stuff. We like new cars, new houses, new outfits. Do you like my outfit? It's new, right? Do you like my haircut? It's a fresh haircut. It's new. We like new. And we think new is just freshened up a bit. And if you've been through Growth Track lately, you've heard me talk about this. But, but new, in this context, in the Greek, it's a, it's a Greek word, kainos, and it doesn't just mean like freshened up. It actually means, in respects to form, it is fresh, it is unused, it is new, as we would understand new. But then when it gets to the substance of what the item actually is, it's a new kind. It's unprecedented. It's novel, uncommon, unheard of. He wants to do something totally different. So here's what I want you to hear. God wants to do something new in your marriage, but he doesn't just want to like take your, the, the brokenness in your marriage and just kind of super glue it back together. And it's not as bad now. And that's what we think. He wants to freshen it up, but he wants to make it something totally different. He, he wants it to be beyond what you can imagine or believe. That's what he wants to do. Um, in your walk with Christ, and this is a big one because many of us, we, here's what I want you to understand. You are as close to Christ as you want to be. Nobody is limiting your growth in Jesus except you. You can pursue him as much as you want and he will pursue you back. So whatever level you are at, that's the level you want to be at. But Jesus, he wants to do something new in you. And it doesn't just mean like more church attendance or now I have to be committed to more groups or more activities, any of that kind of stuff. What it's talking about is doing something totally transformative in your heart and life. And this is why our vision statement says every life made different because we don't want to just clean you up. We wanna see God work in you in such a way that you are transformed by his power and for his glory. He wants to birth something in you, give you new life. And if God wants to give the world new life, he wants to make all things new, transform all things with the life of Jesus, it starts with us. It starts with you and me. It starts with us experiencing life, true life in Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, to the Corinthian church, he's talking about Jesus. He said, he died for everyone so that those who receive his life, his new life, will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. So what they were saying before this in context, he was saying that we regarded Christ in a human way before, but now he shifts and he says, we don't do that any longer. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How different we know him now. This means, listen to this, that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. This is what he wants to do. He wants to respawn you. He wants to give you new life 
Except this time, you're going to have some intelligence to go with it. We're going to be able to see, you know what, here's where the issues have been in my marriage. But now I'm going to experience new life in Christ and we get to start over. Here's where my, my pitfalls were in my, how I dealt with my finances. But now I'm going to have new life in Christ and I'm going to have the intelligence to do some things differently. Here's how I dealt with the people around me. But now I recognize the issues and I'm gonna, I'm, I get to respawn. I get new life and now I get to start over and I get to approach these things differently than ever before because of the life that is in me because of what Jesus Christ has done. This is what God wants for us. Yes, he's gonna make all things new. Yes, he's gonna reconcile all of creation back to himself. But in the meantime, he wants to start with you. He wants to give you a chance to know true life. So the reality is some of you need a do-over. You need new life in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, in your job, in your finances, whatever it might be. And I'm telling you, it begins with you. Sometimes we ask God, God, fix my, my problems, fix my stuff. And God says, I don't want to fix your stuff. I want to fix you. I can't fix your stuff if I don't fix your heart because you're just going to keep messing things up. So I want to start with you. I want to give you new life so that you can approach life differently. That's what God wants for us. That's what he's inviting us into. New life. The problem with this proposition is we have to recognize that there's something wrong with our old life. For many people, we look at our lives the way they are and we go, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm happy. I'm fulfilled. I have stuff. People like me. I'm moral. That's great. But at the end of the day, that doesn't bring us fulfillment. The stuff of this world, the relationships, nothing does. There's only one thing that can truly give us life that's Jesus Christ. So right now I want to turn it over to our hosts in Blairsville. They're going to finish up the rest of this message. They're going to give you an opportunity to respond. But I hope you guys know I love you more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have a good week. You know, for those of you here in the room, those of you watching still online, I want to give you an opportunity to respond. <laughs> because just like in those video games, we mess up, we do something stupid, we lose our life. What we see in scripture is there are consequences to sin. And the consequence to sin is death. We experience a physical death on earth because of our humanity. But we experience a spiritual death in the afterlife because of our sin. And what God wants to do through Jesus Christ is give us new life that is eternal that the things we've messed up on, the sins we've committed, the things that have separated us from God are bridged because of what Christ has done. That we have new life that is eternal in him. And so I wanna give you an opportunity. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. Um, there's nothing to be scared about. It's the greatest decision you can ever make in your life. And I promise, I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to, to make you drink the Kool-Aid or to indoctrinate you. I just wanna introduce you to somebody who's gonna change your life. Maybe you're here today and you recognize the fact that, that maybe you, you call yourself a Christian or you go to church a lot, but the reality is Jesus isn't Lord of your life. 
you're at the level with Christ you want to be and you realize that level is not where you need to be, I wanna give you an opportunity to respond as well. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes all over this place. Lord, thank you so much that we have new life in you, that we have opportunity to, to celebrate in you because the old is gone and the new has come. So God, I thank you that your desire is to make all things new. That God, you wanna reconcile all things back to yourself when you return. But God, in the meantime, I thank you that you want us to be new. You want us to be transformed. You want us to experience life in you. So God, I pray that we would not be complacent. We would not be satisfied with anything less than your best for us. So God, I pray that we would do everything in our power to go to the next level, that we would allow you to work in us in such a way you'd take us to the next level. But God, I pray that you begin with life today, life that can only be found in Jesus. So Lord, I pray for those that don't know you, that aren't in a relationship with you. Let today be the day they are reconciled to you. Let today be the day they surrender to your lordship and your kingship and you truly breathe life into them. And I pray that that would change their situations, their circumstances, the, the relationships, the things that they are walking into because you are walking with us. God, I pray for those that are here that today that are struggling, that, that they recognize they've reached a level and they've kind of plateaued and that's it. God, I pray that you would give them, give them a, a new dream, a new vision of what their life could be. Remind them that they were pointed in the right direction and they just shouldn't give up. God, encourage them today to see that you still are in control. That God, we will see a harvest if we just keep being faithful. So Lord, I pray that you would encourage people in this place to be faithful in their marriage, to be faithful in their finances, to be faithful in their relationships, to be faithful to you, that although it's hard, although it's difficult, we're gonna see a harvest that you're gonna bring because we just keep doing what you've asked us to do. So God, I pray for parents who are seeking their kids to be reconciled to you. God, I pray that they wouldn't give up. Help them to keep praying. Help them to keep being faithful. I pray for husbands and wives that are struggling in marriages that they, they wanna give up on, God. I pray that you give them the, the, the discipline, the, the passion for you, the passion for each other to continue to, to work. God, help us to see you work today. Help us to see some new beginnings and some new lives today. Now with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you'd say to me, Mel, you know what? I need new life. I recognize that what I've been doing and how I've been living is not cutting it. And I need, I need the life of Christ in me. I need to be made new. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you be bold enough to slip your hand up real high and say, Mel, that's me. I need new life in Christ today. I need God's help. Yeah, I see you. Thank you so much. Yeah, hands on my left. Thank you so much. Yeah, up in the balcony. I see you, sir. Thank you. Who else wants to join these and say, Mel, pray for me. Pray for me. I need new life in Christ today. Thank you, sir. You can put your hand down. 
I want everybody in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray this prayer out loud because the book of Romans tells us if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You're gonna have new life when we surrender our lives to him. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to say this out loud, but I want you to mean it from your heart. Don't you dare just repeat this mindlessly. Pray this prayer from your heart. So pray it with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sins on the cross. And I thank you that I can have new life because of him today. From now on, I turn away from my old life, my old habits, my old thinking. And from this point forward, I'm a new creation and I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, uh, we just read the scripture, you are a new creation. That means you're totally transformed. That you're still gonna go back to the same situations, the same circumstances, but you're doing it differently because you are different. We would love to help you take the next step and begin to grow and work with you and help you go to the next level. And that's really what this is about. So if you would do me a favor, there's a couple things you can do. You can either take the card out of the seat back in front of you and fill it out and then take it to the info center and let us know about your decision that you made today. And, uh, and we're gonna give you a new Bible and we're gonna point you in the right direction. We're gonna get you connected to um, some groups and some resources that are gonna help you grow in your faith. If you're watching online or you're here in the room and you can't reach one of the cards, simply text Summit PA to the number 94,000. And when you do that, select the prompt that says salvation. Let us know about your decision. We're gonna respond back to you. And again, we're going to get you pointed in the right direction. So thank you for worshiping with us today. I love seeing people surrender their lives to Christ and recommit their lives to Christ. That is why we exist. Here's what's going to happen right now. Uh, I'm going to pray a final prayer over you as we're dismissed. And normally um, we have prayer team at the front of the room and this week we're doing some things differently. And so this is what I would encourage you to do. If you have prayer needs of any kind, there's several ways you can get connected with us. Uh, you can email your prayer need to prayer at summitpa.church. You can text uh, Summit PA to the number 94,000 and you can select the prompt there for prayer or you can take the prayer card and I'll see back in front of you. Let us know about your prayer need and drop it in the offering box as you leave. And I promise our team prays for every one of those needs and uh, we're believing for your situation. So if you've got a prayer need, please don't hesitate to let us know. We'll be praying with you. So let me pray over you before we're dismissed. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for what you've done. I pray that as, as we are leaving here today, we'll be leaving here full of your spirit, ready to meet every challenge that comes our way. I pray that, that God, we would acknowledge that we have new life in you. And because of that, we get to face obstacles differently than we have before. And so Lord, I just pray a blessing on marriages. I pray, pray a blessing on relationships. I pray a blessing on those that are struggling financially, that God, as they trust you, they're gonna see you work in their lives. God, I pray for those that just need a touch of heaven. Let it happen today. And I pray that we would not be blessed so we could accumulate or have more. But God, bless us in every way so that we can be a blessing in every way to the world we come into contact contact with. So God, I pray that this group of people would be the most generous, would be the best tippers, would be the most friendly, would be the, the, the most life-giving people in this community this week. That God, we would change this community and it would all be for your glory. So God, use us in that way. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Guys, I love you more than you know. And I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Have an incredible week.